Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, I apologize once again for my audio. No reason to apologize to me. Apologize uh, to nobody. You, you, you're owed an apology. You, you are owed one from Jeff Bezos. That's true. So my mic was supposed to arrive today. I have no idea what's going on with it. It's not here. So instead of just not recording, surely you can make it through a day or so with this audio uh, because I've listened and it's not that bad. I mean, I, I hate it. I prefer the mic. And soon enough, Derek, I'll, I'll have a good mic here and we'll be back to normal. But we're going to continue to uh, pump out content here. Even if I have to uh, grab like a tube or something and talk through it to make sure everybody's hearing us. But we have a lot to talk about. You and I were outside Kroger Field today at the UK practice fields. We were kind of iffy on if the weather was going to hold off. It ended up being a very nice morning. And we got to see a lot from this Kentucky football team today. We did, Sean. I don't even know where to start, really. Um, I was glad to be back out there because. You know, previous year, well, previous years, it's been good. But today, we got a full practice. I mean, we were out there from start to finish. So, uh, thank you to the people at UK who set that up. It was a big help, I thought. Uh, I guess, Sean, we can just start off the top with what I thought was the biggest story. And I had heard basically on Saturday that was probably trending this way. But uh, first-team All-American tackle, Darian Kennard, is moving back over to right tackle. So, he'd been playing left tackle from spring on. You could probably make the argument, honestly, that a big selling point on him returning to Kentucky for this season was to try to show a little bit more versatility and show that he could handle left tackle. I think getting Dare Rosenthal from LSU probably made this decision a little bit easier. But, Sean, you make of anything of Kennard of moving back over to right tackle? You think this is good? Any reason for concern? Anything like that? I mean, I think it gets him back to where he's really good at. And if they feel that good about Dare at the other side, then I think Kentucky's got two NFL, NFL caliber pieces anchoring each end of its offensive line, Derek. That, that, I think it's a good thing for Kentucky. Maybe for Kennard's draft stock, maybe not as much because I think the NFL would have loved to have seen some versatility there. But he's so good at that side that he's, he's going to be just fine when it comes to draft boards. I think so too. And I, I felt like it was a little bit of a stretch – Anyway, because if you talk to people who cover the NFL, people who cover the draft, um, he is he's not a tackle at the next level. He's going to be a guard. So I think there just to me there was not much upside for him playing left tackle, basically forcing him to play left tackle or him feeling like he had to play there to to improve his draft stock because most likely he's not going to play there anyway at the next level. He's he's pretty much an inside player all the way. Um, but I do think that it's, it's part of helping UK get their five best on the field. That's what kind of the logic was today. It makes a lot of sense. If there's anyone who's missing out or maybe who's, who's this decision hurts the most, uh, it's Jeremy Flax. Because I truly believe that he was doing a lot of good things. Uh, I think you go all the way back to the spring, the way he was playing right tackle, he was doing a good job. I, I sort of wonder how much they're even going to rotate. Whenever you have guys as good as Rosenthal and Kennard, I mean, you can, you can get some, some – some rest here and there but those guys are going to be so important I just think you're going to want them out there a whole lot so I wonder Sean my initial thought was maybe he would go to right guard but it sounds like Eric Wolford who talked to us today loves Eli Cox yeah 
That, that's certainly what it sounds like. And you and you and I got a really good look at that offensive line today. And we we kind of found ourselves, Derek, and standing there watching the big boys for what yeah. seemed like 15 to 20 minutes. We didn't move. We we got to see exactly what those guys go through. And man, every single snap, every single drill, they're hitting somebody and they're hitting someone hard. We got to see Jagger Burton go through a lot of reps down there. Wolford coaching him up uh, to a point now, Derek, where I kind of expect to see Jagger a little bit this season at the way it was training with some of those drills and things that they were doing. There was a lot of attention to detail with Jagger today. Yeah, I, I think that's phrased really well. Uh, he had to go through one drill. I think it was all four times. He had yeah. to do it over until he got it right. I, I think, well, part of that was, you know, they want to do everything right, so he had to get the drill right. But also I think part of that, Sean, too, is just how young he is. I think they're trying to really – hold the standard up high for him, set it high. But uh, that brings up something I wanted to mention. The way they had the offensive line split up today, there were 10 players on the in the offensive line group who were with Eric Wolford, and then the rest of the guys were with the graduate assistants. Uh, the 10 who were there, it's obviously the five you would expect, the five starters, Rosenthal, Kenneth, Kenneth Worsey, Luke Fortner, Eli Cox, and Dar- – uh, sorry, Darian Kennard. Darian, Darian. Ooh. And uh, – and then you had the guys who, in my opinion, at this point in camp, probably your, your guys who are looking at having a having a real chance to play. In some cases, you know, will play for sure. But those other five, I had it written down as uh, Quentin Wilson, uh, Jagger Burton, David Wallabo, another freshman. And then you had Austin Dotson. And um, who's the other one I'm forgetting, Sean? Did I say Quentin Wilson? Yeah, you said Quentin. Um, probably another. Who was the other one? Said a tackle. Who am I forgetting? Did I say flags? You didn't say flags. I didn't say flags for that one. Okay. So it was Burton, Flex, Dotson, uh, Dotson, Quentin Wilson, and then Wallabo. So the rest, there were a few other guys um, who fans will know, you know, DeAndre Buford, RJ Adams, John Young, a lot of those guys in that 2020 class, they were off. And Nasir Watkins, too, which is interesting about Nasir because whenever second team started he was practicing with the second team at left tackle so um part of that too i think wallabo's a little banged up so they're maybe taking a little bit of time with him but no we did get to watch them and i went over and they did uh, a little bit later in practice when they split it up they did one-on-ones with the defensive line uh well it was more than just one-on-ones it was a few um going up there i, I thought that defensive line had a good day today sean i thought they were really causing havoc and one of the big takeaways i have and there's still time for this to change when the season gets going. But I, I think this will be something fans will be interested in because I know he gets asked about a lot. I kind of came away today thinking that Josiah Hayes is solidly the backup at this point to Marquand McCall. I, I think he's I think he's moved past Justin Rogers for now. That was my takeaway. Yeah, and you mentioned that defensive line. That's the first thing that I- – I talked to you. I've talked to two other people that were there, and everybody's takeaways were the defensive line really impressed. And, and Derek, there were a lot of plays there uh, where quarterbacks were able to obviously get balls out of their hands because they're not allowed to be hit right now. Those plays would have resulted in sacks a couple of times. And the defense won the day. And I, I remember asking you, I was like, is, is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? And the more I really thought about it, I actually think it's a good thing because I'm starting to think that this defense could be very good at all three levels. I almost felt like it was a good balance today because, you know, part of the, you know, the defense had some blitz packages into, I think we're going to slant, slant it to make them look a little bit better anyway. 
But I would say I agree. Throughout most of practice, I thought, I thought that the defense probably had the upper hand. But then to close out practice, they do the two-minute drill, first team versus you know first team offense versus first team defense. And the first team offense very well could have scored on a really well thrown ball by Will Levis that was just out of the reach of Rashawn Lewis. And I, I didn't see Lewis myself, but everyone around there said he slowed down. Yeah. I think you saw him. You know, they said he slowed down and couldn't catch back up to it. Regardless, so they still got in the field goal range pretty quickly too and efficiently. Well, so I thought that was a really good high note for the first team offense to finish the day uh, in that drill by doing a really good job and without Wondell Robinson out there too. Yeah, and how about and he he came up with uh, something minor, Derek, on a punt return. Uh, it seems like he's going to be okay. I don't think it, yeah. don't think it was anything big. It was more precautionary probably to hold him out. But you mentioned that that two-minute offense and that two-minute drill there. Uh, you, were, you were talking about Brad Watt having the guts to call a corner blitz in that, in that two-minute <laughs> offense. Uh, Carrington Valentine come off the edge. Chris Rodriguez did an excellent job picking up that corner blitz. So for them to be just a week – moving on a week and a half into camp, two-minute offense looked really good. It really did. Yeah, Liam Cohen talked about the operation, and I thought that was a really good word to use. They they looked like – I mean, they – guys were lined up right away. I mean, they spiked it within seconds of the play being – you know, the previous play being dead. They, they did. They looked very poisoned in control. Um Sean, let's talk about the quarterbacks for a little bit just because I think that's what, you know, it's talked about a lot. Obviously, Levis being named the starter, we went into – probably the reason we got to go today, honestly, was because that's been settled. Um, he had some throws like any practice where, you know, overthrows, maybe a little bit off. But I thought as a whole, when you evaluate the whole practice, I, I, me personally, I came away very impressed yeah. with his day. Yeah, he, he threw a ball to Isaiah Epps that was just – it. It looked like there was – and there was another one on the sideline that he threw. He had several I, very good yeah. throws. Well, you and I both thought he overthrew his guy by, or underthrew his guy by <laughs> under about three, 15 yeah. yards, and it falls right in the hands of another player. And when it comes out of his hands, Derek, it, it looks like it – his release looks like it's going to be like a short throw, and the ball just continues to carry. I mean, it's just an effortless release out of his hands. I I thought he made some really good throws, especially – I love his arm strength on those throws to the boundary. I yeah. love how, how quick the ball gets there. Uh, but Bo Allen, too, I want to talk about him a little bit. I think I've seen enough from fan day practice and today that if something were to happen, and let's say that Will Levis goes down or something happens and, and the, the times that we're living in right now with COVID and things like that, you never know what it can be. It doesn't have to be an injury anymore. I'm not saying that Bo Allen's going to go in and light it up and throw touchdowns, throw for 250, 300 yards, Derek. But when we're talking about where Kentucky's passing attack has been in recent years, I think that Bo is plenty capable of going in and making some completions. And he, he did some nice things as well. Now his size – Gets him a little bit where Levis is a few inches taller. You saw Bo when the pocket collapses. He can't see over top and make those throws. But when he has a clean pocket, he had some really nice balls as well. Yeah, you talk about maybe some of the question marks that Levis has in terms of his short, more short yardage accuracy. That is a pretty big strength, I would say, for Bo Allen. Um, where you see the big difference, like you were saying, too, with his size – there is a noticeable difference in the arm strength between yeah. those two guys. You're talking about those boundary throws that Levis can make. Bo's had, Bo had a few. He had one he, he really zipped out to um, Chris Lewis today for a completion that I thought had some good velocity. Um, 
it seemed like when he was throwing to his left, to that other sideline, it, it seemed like the ball was not coming out yeah. as hard as it had before. Um, I am, I'm with you. I thought Bo had a, had a really solid day, honestly, until the very end. And then he got in the two minute drill. I talked about how, how well the first team played. Uh, Bo's two minute drill. They ran the ball once and then his first pass attempt got intercepted. It was a, Pretty bad decision. I mean, but it happens. You know, you're going to throw some picks here and there. But Taj Dotson picked him off, and that's what ended practice. That was the final play um, of practice. But I'm with you there, Sean. I think so as well. I, I think if something did happen, they would be in, in better shape than what they have been in recent years. I'll say that. Um, and I find it to be an advantage as well for not only Bo, but for the team. Had Joey Gatewood chosen to stick around, you're probably still splitting second-team reps yeah. between those guys. And I think, obviously, it's a huge advantage to have Will Levis getting all the one snaps and, and getting plenty of reps. But uh, you could almost make an argument that it's equally as important to have a defined. I don't know if they even really had a truly defined backup last year because they I mean, they played Joey some, but they still wanted to play Bo as well. This year, there's no question who the backup quarterback is. I was just about to say the exact same thing, that is as important as the first string is, I think having a – Clear cut second string is right there with it. And and two, when you're talking about a guy like Bo, at this stage of his career, still very, very young, development's a lot of it. And if he can get those reps full time all fall camp, it bodes well for him moving forward. Because, like you said, if Joey were still going through practice, they would certainly be splitting those. And then what you worry about, you know, you've got your first string ready to roll. If you're splitting reps with those two, I don't even know if Kentucky would have had a two really, truly ready to be the two coming out of fall camp. I think Bo Allen's going to be ready to do that. And you mentioned the two-minute drill and stuff there. I mean, you could tell that that's an area that just needs to improve. He just needs more reps and things in that, get more comfortable with it. But, boy, Derek, we got to see the the fun stuff happens when they go seven-on-seven and they do some of those one-on-ones with the wide receivers and DBs. And and the thing that we've got now, when we do this stuff and when we watch this stuff is the matchups, the Carrington Valentines versus Josh Ali and, and things like that. That was fun to watch today. Tay Tay Crooms stood out to me. He was beating guys down the field, made a nice catch. Isaiah Epps stood out to me as well. And those are two guys that you know that Liam Cohen would love to add to Josh Ali and to Wondell Robinson in that passing game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I thought Epps had a really good day when I think about it. Um, he made some good catches. I agree with you, too, about Tay-Tay Crooms. I mean, it didn't seem like anybody could keep up with him in those one-on-ones. I mean, when he just wanted to run vertical, he could just run right by him. Uh, I'm going to stick with the wide receivers, but I do want to make the note before I forget. I'm a big Carrington Valentine fan. 
I, I think he's probably a future NFL draft pick. I don't know when it will be. I'm not saying it's going to be after next season, but he, to me, he's the most impressive corner on this roster. And he's a guy they've talked up for a long time. I mean, really since he got to UK, they've kind of discussed him. Uh, but back to the wide receivers, another guy too, who I thought had a really good day was Chauncey Magwood. And he had Liam Cohen talk about him after practice and talk about how he knows all three of the spots on all those three receiver spots. That bodes pretty well for him. I would say, I mean, he's a guy, uh, I'll get to the defense later, but as as far as the true freshmen go, who you say, you know what, these guys are, are more than likely not going to redshirt. Uh, I think Magwood is pretty high on yeah. that list. The other freshman, obviously, Dekel Kratis is out. Um, and I will say this too, having watched practice today, seeing more of these receivers, you know, this was, you know, the big difference today, obviously, is that this was full pads. I mean, they were really getting after it versus, you know, it was a lot of kind of, Throwing on air, you know, it was just different. You know, when you're not wearing pads, it's not really football, like how it was at fan day. I do think DeKel Kratis was absolutely poised to play a big role in this offense. I think if he can come back and show that he's pretty much healthy, I still think he's got a great chance. Um, depending on when that timeline is, obviously. They hope they can get him back in a few weeks. That was probably my biggest takeaway, Sean, now that we're on the receivers, is that they could really use one more guy. And I think – it was a little tough to evaluate because we mentioned that Wandell went out there at the end. Also, a guy I think they're going to use a lot in the past game is Jatama McLean, and he didn't practice today either, and, and neither did Cavassier Smoke. So that left a situation where, you know, Chris Rodriguez is your lead back. They didn't really practice Chris that much. I mean, you know, he he was out there, but, you know, he's, he's going to get you 150 yards every time he plays a game. I don't think you have to see too much from him to know what he's going to do. So that gave Lavelle Wright a chance, uh, a true freshman, to get some one uh, carries with the ones. So – uh, to go back to where I was going, though, I, I still think if you're looking for a weakness on this team, I think the wide receiver depth is probably my biggest question mark for this offense going into the season. Yeah, yeah, you and I sat there or stood there today and watched Christian Lewis too. I know he he hauled in some some nice catches as well, but we also watched him get jammed up at the line of scrimmage once. That, by, yeah, by a walk on DB. That just kind of tells where he is with his weight and his strength, but his his length though, Derek, six four, and that height. I mean, he looks like a basketball guy out there. We talked about that today, but when he's able to go up and make plays, you can see him having a very nice future. Whenever he gets some strength and gets some reps under him and some experience there, uh, we didn't get to really see the tight ends a lot when it comes to the passing game. I I'm looking at that. Obviously, Isaiah Cummings has has made the switch there. And stuff. Maybe maybe you caught something that I didn't catch. I was taking some photo as well. Did, did you see anything from that group that you liked? The tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. Coming Cummings is a good player. I mean, he's just he's so different. You know, I was talking to somebody today after practice was over, and I, I told them I felt like Cummings was going to end up leading the team in targets in terms of the tight ends in the passing game. I feel like the only way he doesn't play a big role in this team is if for some reason. And I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be like last year. But if they did find themselves in a scenario where they really had to basically only run the football, then I think Cummings' role would, would probably decrease quite a bit because there is a size difference between Bates and Rig. And if you're just going to be running the ball, those are better blockers. But the speed difference between Cummings and Bates and Rig, I mean, it's tremendous. I mean, he's absolutely a, a truly, he truly is a, a difference maker, like Stoop said, in the passing game with what you can do. Um, I feel like personally, and we'll see, I mean, all this stuff's going to be sorted out in 18 days and 25 days and things like that once the season starts. 
I think he's going to be a pretty big part of this offense. I really do. Um, only negative thing I would say today, and I can't remember who threw the pass. Uh, Justin Rick had a ball hit his hands that ended up being intercepted by Carrington Valentine in one of the drills. Uh, a ball should have been caught by Rig, but I think Rig has generally shown pretty reliable hands in his time at Kentucky. So, uh, obviously, nothing to worry about there, I don't think, but it was one thing that stood out in my mind. I wanted to go back to Lewis real quick, Chris Lewis. You're right. We saw him in a one on one drill get jammed up, you know, couldn't really get off the line. But it also struck me, Sean, too. Whenever he is out there in the team periods, he finds a way to get open and he catches everything. He does. So he's one of those guys, like, I'm very on the fence about him because I look at him and physically I think, you know, he would probably have a hard time, it seems like. You you would think on the surface he might have a hard time um, contributing this season in that way. But then he gets out there during the game situation, and that's kind of how he was in high school too. I mean, he, he's not the fastest guy out there. He's not the – not the strongest, but it, he's, he was so productive in high school. And he's kind of the same way at UK. I mean, every time that Bo Allen was in in those twos and threes, it seemed like he was looking Chris Lewis's way, and he, he caught everything. He did. So he will be one I'm curious to watch as, as the season goes on. He might not be one of those guys who's playing a ton from the get-go, but I would have my eyes on him probably more than any other guy on the uh, in, in terms of the guys that we know for sure are going to play versus the maybes. Like, I think he's a firm maybe right now. He's a guy week six, week seven, Derek, that I think is he's going to get some snaps early in the season. I, I don't know, I don't know who all they're going to redshirt. It, I, to me, it's going to be hard to redshirt these young guys at wide receiver because you don't know what the depth's going to look like. Yeah, I agree. But I could see him late in the season, once he's got two or three months under his belt here, becoming a guy maybe they look at on a red zone situation, a guy that can go up and, and get a jump ball. And one more note on the offense before we move on. I want to talk about the linebackers in a minute and a couple of things that stood out before we wrap up. Liam Cohen is so pays so much attention to detail offensively and the way that he teaches the game and everything that they do, Derek. This has been an offense in past years when it was late in the half, if they had possession to start the second half, or if they didn't, that they they didn't take many chances. And I don't know, and a lot of it, too, is they, they've ran the football for so long that you really – this wasn't a, an offense that could get chunk plays and set themselves up to get points. It's like I go back to the game where they beat Mississippi State on the field goal, Stephen Johnson's year. They've not been able to do anything like that. They, they got the ball down there in field goal range pretty quickly that year. Jeff Bidette caught a ball, went down in the middle of the field. Well, we saw UK working on stuff like that today. To me, my biggest prediction that we're going to see is when Kentucky has the ball this year, I don't think they're going to sit on it and be conservative. I think that they're going to try to get big chunk plays and put themselves in position to get field goals, to get touchdowns late in the half, late in games, things like that. That's what they're working on. I don't know how much they've worked on that in the last two to three years because it really wasn't a part of their game, part of their offense. They were such a risk-averse team there for a while, and it was probably the right move. I'm not criticizing because – They won some games because of it. Yeah, but I agree with you. I do think last year – and this this was probably the million-dollar question. I think people who are skeptical of Mark Stoops will wonder if the offensive coordinator change. I guess how big philosophically is he going to change. So that – that is a big question. I, I, for fans who are, I wouldn't say concerned, but are wondering that, I'm wondering that as well. I'm wondering if Stoops looked around college football 
and, and saw that it's just going to be really difficult to climb the ladder, trying to hold really good. I mean, everyone is going to score on you these days. I think I, I just, the days where you're going to hold teams under 20 points is, is probably for the most part done. I mean, I, I don't know. Alabama averaged that was it 19 points last year that they gave up a game or maybe the year before and Saban, you know, typically that would have been a high number, but these days it's really not. So, um, that's a good point. And they were practicing today, some some late clocks, you know, situations, um, some of the plays. They didn't spend a ton of time on it, but just a little bit. Anything else on offense, Sean, you want to talk about before we switch over to defense? Not really. I, th- I think we've pretty much covered everything on the offensive side. I know it's unfortunate we didn't get to see Kavassi Smoke. We didn't get to see Jatan McLean. We re- really don't know where Kentucky is at running back besides Chris Rodriguez is – He's going to be elite, Derek, and you heard Liam Cohen talk about it today. This is the first look he's really getting at Chris Rodriguez. Didn't get this in the spring. And the one play that I recall from Chris today <laughs> is Josh Pascal was on his back. And yeah. if you can blow through Josh Pascal, you can blow through anyone in college football. And he did that. And you you were like, I saw Pascal on the ground. I don't know what happened. Well, Chris Rodriguez <laughs> went right through his numbers and got an extra three or four yards. And I'm like, okay. And that's what you want to see. You want to see that. But I want to transition here to the, to, to the linebackers. And Trevin Wallace, Derek, we, we've heard all about him all throughout the summer and everything and early here in the fall. There is no way Kentucky's going to be able to keep this guy off the field. He just – every time you look out there, he's out there. I'm leaning towards uh first game starter. It'll probably mostly depend on Jacquez Jones. Now, uh, a little update on Jacquez. Well, it's not really an official update by me, but um, he – we saw him start practice. He was fully – I'm not imagining this, right? He was full go, right? He was full gear. Yeah. And about 30 <laughs> minutes later, he was not full gear anymore. He was uh, – he had changed out of, I think, his – he must have his helmet and stuff with him. But I, to me, and this is not a, an official diagnosis, I don't know, but I, just from having two eyes, uh, it looks like probably a high ankle sprain is my guess. I mean, he was heavily, heavily wrapped ankle. Those can take some time to heal. And um, I don't know if this was a deal today where he was trying to see how – just try to test it a little bit and see how it went, and then maybe it didn't feel good enough. I mean, we're still 18 days out from the first game. I mean, we're not – we're not, you know, super far away, but at the same time, it's probably still not in like, you know, really push it range. So, um, it, uh, when we went back to the fan day, when they did the first team stuff, it was Jared Casey who was out there with the first team. And today it was, unless I missed something, it was Wallace the whole time. Yeah. The ones were out there, at least it's out seemed Casey was running with the twos. I think Martez thrower was even throw, uh, playing with the twos a little bit on the inside linebacker. So, I'm thinking, Sean, they're doing their best to have Trevin Wallace where if he's needed game one to start, I think they're trying to get to a point where they would be comfortable with that. And they might be already, honestly. I mean, that kid's uh, – he, he's – I mean, he's going to be a star, I think, at Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, that, that defense had a lot of guys today that look impressive. And we were talking about the guys on the edge, Jordan Wright, his length and stuff. I, I could see – if he could put it all together, Derek, I think he could have a huge breakout year. There was one – uh, Brad White, you know, he had coaches like you can hear him before the snap. Somebody was out of position one time <laughs> and and I'm talking like a second before the snap. Someone's out of position. But the next thing you know, they've schemed it up. And here's Jordan Wright writing. Was it Bo Allen's face? If I'm not mistaken, or oh, it was, Levis. Levis. It was yeah, Levis. 
So here's Jordan Wright. Would have been a sack. Uh, you you saw others get in DeAndre Square there as well, making plays. And then we're, we're doing all this and talking about all this without J.J. Weaver going live and stuff. He still has on a red jersey right now with no contact. But the way he's moving, Derek, tells me that that clock is ticking to him being back more or, or sooner than rather than later, honestly, the, the way he's moving. Yeah, I mean, he was in that red jersey, like you said, but he was still out there for the first team stomp. Uh, not not obviously in the tackle periods, but when they were just having some looks, he was out there. Um, you think in Missouri for him? That's that's what I'm thinking. I, Probably the goal anyway, right? I haven't ruled out the opener, but you would you would want to see him out there with the red jersey off next week. If he's not out there next week, yeah. no way it's in the opener. If now if he can get out there week one game week and start doing some stuff, then maybe week two. Week week two should be the goal. They're they're going to win game one without him, but you need him for week two. Yeah, that's another thing about Jacquez Jones too, and that might be why you're seeing Wallace out there so much. I mean, I, unless Trevin is just an absolute star from the second he takes the field, I would still lean towards Jacquez Jones being the starter there, just because I think it's probably a little easier transition especially for a game as important as Missouri is going to be. I think you'd like to have the experience of Square and Jones together. And maybe as the year goes on, if Wallace proves that he's, you know, absolutely capable of handling it, then maybe you could consider making a switch. But that is a position, too, though, where you, you need depth there. I mean, all those guys are going to play. Whether you start or not, you're going to play a lot if you're an inside linebacker and you're in that top four. So that's the same with Jared Casey today. Uh, I was trying to decide how much to read into that, but I think when he was out there, Wallace, that is, when he was out there to the extent that he was, that's hard to ignore. Um, let's see, secondary, I mentioned Valentine. Just a lot of bodies. I think that was my takeaway. They just have a lot of guys they can rotate in. Cedric Dort was the other starting corner with Valentine. Excuse me. Um, and then, he of course, the two safeties. Up. He was matched up with Wandale in the one-on-ones, right? If I'm not mistaken. He was, either. yeah. Yeah, and then he had um, a safety, obviously, Ty Asian and Yusuf Corker. But the two guys behind him, I thought Todd, Taj Dotson, he had the pick, like I said. And also um, Jalen Geiger is another guy that I saw out there a lot who I think uh, will play quite a bit on this team. Other corners, Andrew Phillips and Quandre Mosley are the guys to watch there. But I think it's pretty much all but certain that those four guys I just mentioned were the starters in the secondary. And then also Devontae Robinson was out there a lot today. I think he's pretty much solidly locked up the nickel spot. Um, Vito Tisdale was out there as normal. Uh, Joel Williams, he got he got a little tongue lashing there from Stoops for a minute. He uh, didn't do a very good job trying to cover Wandell. And then the very next time they matched up, he basically just grabbed Wandell from the start. And uh, Stoops was not happy about that, um, just, you know, in terms of possibly risk an injury. And it's probably your best offensive player, or at least one of your most important guys, no question, in Wondell Robinson. So he basically was saying, if you can't guard him, then just get off the field because you're not going to risk hurting one of the players because you're, you aren't good enough to keep up with them, basically. Um, but with that said, Joe Williams is out there a lot with, with the ones and twos. I think he's probably going to play a role on this team. Um but when I did think about that defense today, you're right. Jordan Wright would have had a – in a game, it should be an easy sack. We'll see if he could have got him to the ground. But he had a – the way he stunted off that, he, he he was – it was pretty much a clear shot. I think it was one of those, honestly, where you'd be a little bit concerned about targeting. It was such a clean look oh, <laughs> at the quarterback. So, uh, that was – and that was another thing, too, where I think the defense had a few times where the quarterback was able to get out of the pocket 
and it looks like a good offensive play, but I do wonder if it was live tackle football, if some of those plays that the offense maybe turned into positive plays would have been sacks. So um, I guess, Sean, my, my big takeaway today is I felt like it was a good overall practice. I really did. I didn't I didn't leave there thinking like, oh, my God, how are they going to complete passes? How are they going to run the ball? How are they going to stop the ball? You know what I mean? I, I felt like it was there's a lot to like about this team. It was a good competitive practice. Yeah. We've been to practices in the past where one side of the ball just completely dominated mm-hmm. the other side. You didn't have that today. You had the defensive line establish its presence, and then you had the offense end up making some throws and some completions there. Derek, uh, one more note for – Guys, they had back returning punts. I, I saw Wondell Robinson. I saw Michael Drennan. And then I saw Josh Ali. And we probably DeKell would be there if he's healthy, maybe. Uh, so that's just an idea of who I – did you see anybody else back there fielding punts during those special teams drills? I I don't think – did I miss someone? Was Rashawn Lewis back there? Um, maybe. He's another guy that we haven't really mentioned but is always out there. When Wondell went out, it was him that was getting those reps and stuff there at the end. Uh, but my big takeaway from all this is you're seeing the recruiting that's taken place the last three years. It's There's so much talent on the field now, Derek, across all levels that some of their best recruits, they're not in the one and, one and two that they've had. You, you know, you're talking about Justin Rogers and stuff there, possibly uh, not being in the behind Mark McCall and things. So, I mean, you're, you're looking across this roster and it's just the talent that's there that they've brought in and that they've, they've just stockpiled it. And that's what you do to turn your program around and not really necessarily turn your program around because this program has been turned around. But if you're going to talk getting next step and the way that this league is changing here in the future, you better keep doing what you're doing at not just recruiting it, but developing it too. And they're doing an excellent job from what I see. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I wouldn't panic. Um, I wouldn't sound any alarms on Justin Rogers. Uh, obviously, his high school rank, it was, you know, led to some huge expectations. Josiah Hayes was a big recruit in his own right. This was a four-star kid who was going to be going to Ole Miss. He had offers from basically everybody in the South at a t- for a time. So, I mean, this kid was not, you know, chopped liver by any means. He was – a lot of classes in the past, Josiah Hayes would have been, you know, the prize recruit for Kentucky. It just so happened in that class he was just another guy because they had a really good class. So – the fact that Hayes might be a little bit more advanced past him is to me is not cause for concern at all. I think Justin has plenty of time. He just is just a second year. And I think you got to look at these guys a little bit differently who were affected by that COVID year, their freshman season. Um, I think Justin's still going to play and, and do all that. But um, my, Hayes was one of my big takeaways and also Octavius Oxendine. I thought got after it today. Really did some good things. It looked like to me, Sean, that Isaiah Gibson wasn't out there again. Yeah. Um, I didn't see him at the open practice. Um, so basically has left Oxendon and um, Abule, uh, Abadi Fitzgerald out there competing for that one spot. So I'm going to guess, my guess is Oxendon ends up starting that game against uh, Louisiana Monroe, but we'll see what they do from there and, on out. And he's impressive too when you look he at is. him. Yeah. Size. But one, one more note too. I, did you touch on this a minute ago? I, I looked at my phone, but Eric Wolford was talking about COVID and how it impacted and stuff. He, he doesn't think that, obviously, he wasn't at Kentucky when COVID hit, Eric, and they had the shutdown where they couldn't use facilities and stuff. But he thinks that uh, Coach Ed and UK did an excellent job of keeping their guys in shape. But he said the thing that he's noticed is in 22 and 23 
those recruiting classes in high school football, that's where the COVID year really affected the development of some of these guys. Does that concern you a little bit when it comes to the next generation of talent that's moving into college football in the sport? Or maybe coaches kind of just have to identify it a little bit differently over the next year or so? It would probably concern me if, if, if it was the kind of program that was probably going to be counting a lot on 2000, you know, on true freshmen in that class. I don't, I think Kentucky on paper, we'll see how it turns out. I think on paper, Kentucky will have a very, very experienced team in 2023. Um, but that is definitely something to watch. Uh, and he's talking about linemen who are already kind of slow burners anyway. Those guys can take some time. Uh, Eli Cox is a great example. Matter of fact, I don't even remember what class he was in. If he was in 2018 or – I'm going to look that up real quick. I think he was 19, right? If he was 19, it's a pretty good sign. Um, I'm not mistaken. I don't know. He was, he yeah. He was, so, this is his third year on campus, 19 – yeah. Third year here. We didn't really hear anything about Eli last year or the year before. Obviously, he was, he was young. And then these kind of guys just kind of tend to come out of nowhere sometimes. Bunchy Stallings is the same way. Didn't really hear about – and listen, the offensive line was nowhere near as good back then as it is now. And Bunchy Stallings didn't play a ton early in his career, and by the time he left, he was an All-American. Um, and there's examples like that everywhere on the offensive line. That, that is one position where uh, I don't really phase people out, I guess I should say, as, as quickly because, like, it just takes time to develop as an SEC offensive lineman. So just because you don't hear about a guy for three years, it doesn't mean he's not a good player. It just means he took some time. You could probably throw Austin Dotson in that group as well because he didn't really play a whole lot until last season, and now he's a main rotation piece. So – um you're right, though. That was a good point by Eric Wolford, and it is something to keep in mind if you're a Kentucky fan looking towards those future classes that um, perhaps you'll need to be a little bit more patient with those guys versus a normal incoming freshman class. Yeah. So a lot of good stuff today from that practice. Probably the last one that we get to see being this close to kickoff. The next time we see Kentucky will be in a highlight video or to be on the field September 4th versus Louisiana Monroe. But we're going to get into let, let's go let's go another week of camp, Derek, and make sure that nothing crazy happens with injuries or anything like that. And then we'll do our season preview, and we'll break down. We'll give our records and stuff probably at the end of next week. Going that for that weekend, going into game week is when we'll break down and do our preview and stuff like that. We'll pick our breakout players on this podcast. I know you've picked out you've picked your breakout players and stuff on the cat's paws, but maybe after what you saw today, maybe you have a change of opinion with a couple of guys. So, and that, that's what you want to see, right? Is you, you have that when preseason starts, but what happens over the course of these three to four weeks, not only do they change our mindset, they change the coaches as well, because we've talked about those guys that break out every fall. So we're going to do that, but, and I promise I'm going to have a mic at some point. Derek and I have talked about this. I'm going to figure it out if I have to borrow someone's uh, for a couple of days again. But I, I apologize. Hopefully in the near future I will have a microphone. We'll be back to normal audio, but please stick with us. If you're a new listener, I promise you, the audio, if you don't think this audio is bad, it gets even better, though, doesn't it, Derek? I, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> we just want to make sure that we don't turn you away due to audio issues or things like that. Thank you all so much. We're going to get to your mailbag questions. You still have time to submit some. But he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.